Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. It's your girl, Sonia McQueen, with your mind, your body, and your choice. You know, I've told you guys before that I really never know what I'm going to talk about until I sit down in front of this microphone and feel led to start speaking about whatever comes out of my mouth. But this week, oh my goodness, this week, it was one subject after another, after another, after another, being downloaded into me to speak about. I could be out for my run and something would hit me. I have to stop and take a little note because I've learned that when I do feel led to speak about something, I'm thinking, okay, I'll speak about that Tuesday. By the time Tuesday comes, I cannot remember. I can't even remember from the day before, more or less three, four, five days before. So it was just, you would be surprised how many notes are in my phone, just ideas of what has been downloaded in me to speak about. So it is my prayer that moving forward from today, every subject I touch, every time I sit down in front of this microphone to speak, that it is something I'm being led to speak about and at least one person can benefit from the topic. So really not sure what I was going to speak about today because there are about 14 different subjects in my phone. Believe what I want to speak about is me not being so innocent and blameless. So I've spoken before about you know, my mother, me and my mother never, not not one day of my life, um, growing up, growing up, not as an adult, but having any quality time, never sitting down to dinner together, never talking about life together, money, um, being a woman, sex, alcoholism, drugs, none of that, nothing, zero zilch, nada. But I also made it clear that my mother is not like she was in the streets or drinking or doing drugs herself. Um, My mom didn't smoke. She didn't do any drugs. I probably seen her have a drink, I would say, between four and seven times my entire life. And when I say a drink, I mean sending my brother to the store to get her a beer because she wants to burp. She'll drink enough till she burps and pours the rest out. Um, Never going on dates, nothing. She had one boyfriend, if you remember that I said, I remember her having, and I'd never seen him anywhere but on the couch in our living room. (laughs) So, it was the fact my mother worked really hard, and when she got off of work, she would take a bath and get in bed. And that's where she stayed. And as far as my food goes, sometimes she go get me McDonald's or Kentucky Fried Chicken or pizza. But for the most part, I would fix myself whatever was in the house. I ate a lot of cereal and sandwiches. So um, she would always, there would always be food in the house, but she never cooked. So that was my life with my mom. And I went from there to getting in trouble um, in school, going to stay with my dad to where he was hardly ever home. And when he was home, we didn't sit around each other. That's just something kids didn't really do with their parents. And we didn't have dinner together. Um, He would cook every once in a while when he was home. He would grill. 
other than that his wife would cook and I never ate her food so it was the same thing and his wife hated me so I definitely never sat down with her not even said hi or boo um, I would be in my room so I, I've said this before I, I didn't really have anybody to show me or talk to me about life at all and then as I got older I made a lot of stupid decisions you guys so let me say my childhood could have been a lot worse I've heard so many stories after stories and they're heart-wrenching they're just the saddest things about mental abuse physical abuse sexual abuse uh, financial abuse emotional abuse it is sad story after sad story after sad story those aren't my stories my story is just I had no rearing I had no rearing I can't remember ever being in trouble well one time um, but I was 16 17 then one time my dad put me on punishment and he was dead wrong then but it's okay um, never have I had a whipping um, any real punishment that was deserving of my crimes because I, I had committed my own crimes but in my rearing or my lack thereof I grew up to be very I must say selfish and I didn't realize it my my life the way it was me giving up my son for adoption I can blame everybody in the world but it's my fault <laughs> There has been so much negativity in my life that I frowned upon, but I brought it upon myself. I've been selfish. I've been lazy when it came to going to work and doing the right things um, in my life. But when it was time to go to the club and shake it, I, I was on that. When it came time to pay my bills, for some reason I was always a little short and you know, that's kind of understandable when you're a single mother, but not when you're a single mother that has money for the club. Even though I never bought drinks or anything, sometimes you pay to get in the club. I don't know. I don't know. If I had time to be in the club, I had time to figure out how to make more money and take care of my bills instead of always leaning on other people. I've not always been the great mother that I thought I was. The more I think about things... Um, the, the more I'm like, wow, Sonia, you know, my kids don't know I wasn't the best mom, at least my oldest doesn't, but I, I really wasn't. So I want to touch on some of that today and ask, do you constantly blame others for your downfalls or do you take the blame when you could have made the change? Okay, so some of us have not had the best um, youth. We didn't have parents that were present. We had parents, not we, but some had parents that were on drugs or alcohol or some grew up sexually abused or mentally abused, all the abuses. And then you grow up and you know everything that you went through is not who you want to be. And you don't want that to define your future. You want whatever happened in your past to refine you and make you a better person um, just in case you have kids or 
you know, so you can talk to other people and show them, hey, this is what I went through, but this isn't going to be what defines me. Uh, Lauren Lake, if you know her, she's a judge. She's a um, paternity court judge. She always says your past does not have to define you. It can refine you. I love that. Who doesn't want to use their past experiences that were negative to refine them and make them a better person and help somebody along the way who's going through the same things be a better person and see, I've been there, but look at me now. Look at me now. So I'm going to start with being a mother, right? So I had Ty, my oldest, when I was 21. Um, her father was my first, and, you know, we had a, a, a good relationship up till the day I left him. Now, I don't know why I've always been so short in my relationships. Um, I put up with nothing. And when I say I put up with nothing, I mean I literally put up with nothing. And there's got to be something in my rearing that makes me so unforgiving. And I've said that in another podcast, that I'm not a forgiving person. I want to be better. I, I want to be better. I've prayed about it, and I, I try my best to be better. As a matter of fact, there are a couple of people who said things about me that I know, and normally I would just cut them off a billion percent and never deal with them again. However, I realize that's what some people do. <laughs> they talk about other people. That's what they do. doesn't mean they don't love you. It's a personality trait they have. That's a bad personality trait, and they... they honest to God, some of them don't mean any harm. That's just what they do. I don't care who it is. They mama, they daddy, they sister, they granny. They don't care. They talk about people. But they still love you. So you gotta hold those people and know, okay, I can't share too, too much of my life with you because you're gonna tell people and you're gonna put a little bit of a negative spin on it. So I gotta keep this stuff to myself, but I still can care for you from this distance. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. I've just never known how to do it. And I'm learning. Um, because once you say something or do something, I'm quick to turn my back to you. Show me, show you my backside and keep it moving. Um, with no regrets. But that's how my relationships have been. So my oldest daughter's father did something. Didn't cheat on me. Didn't raise his hand to me. None of that. I told him, you do it again, I'm leaving you. There was no compromise for me, none. He did it again. I had our daughter. I packed up from our beautiful home. I left my job, let my unit know I was moving because I was a, a reservist. At the time, I wasn't working full-time as a reservist. Had another job. Um, I quit, packed up, made him take me to the airport. And where do I go? I go stay with my brother. The brother who's always been there for me, the brother who had open arms every single time I needed to come stay with him because I was leaving something else. I was leaving someone else. I was doing this. And I never had my own two feet to stand on. Never had a penny in the bank. Never had. Until I got to a certain age. And yet and still, as loving as my brother was, and constantly opening his door for me, and then me and my child, 
he also never once told me, you gotta do better. Go back to school. Get an education. Work two jobs if you need to. Get a babysitter. Do something positive. I would have listened. I promise you one thing about me is I don't like to disappoint those who love me. I don't mean friends who love me. Well, I don't like to disappoint anybody who loves me, but especially my brothers. Especially more than anybody in the world, my brothers. More than my mother, more than my father. My brothers and my deceased grandmother. So, but nobody ever had that hard talk with me, so I kept doing the wrong things, you know? Leaving my daughter to go to the club, but I don't really remember working that much back then, other than being a reservist, but I always seemed to have time to go to the club, always. Entering the dance contest, winning the dance contest, and, and just having a good time. Not even about drinking or men, just dancing, you know? But once again, those are opportunities I missed where I could have grown up a lot sooner than I did. You know, 21 with a child, and then what do I do? I get pregnant again by somebody else at 23. Where am I living then? With my best friends, Russell and Joanne, own bedroom, living the life, having a good time. I already have one child, find out I'm pregnant with another when I um, almost die, a flatline, right? So the doctor recommends abortion, my best friend is pushing me to have an abortion, and I decide I'm going to have an abortion, but I'm having too much fun to take the time to go through that, and then I decide I can't do that, and I go live with my best friend at the time. Now I'm going to go here and I'm going to set my life straight and I'm going to do the right thing because I'm going to have two kids and I'm 23. But I end up in the hospital immediately. Immediately. And when she comes to the hospital to let me know, oh my God, my, my living boyfriend doesn't want you at the house. I'm so, so sorry. You can't come back to the house. And by the way, we have your daughter, and yeah, we're not so good with her, so we're going to have to find somewhere else for her to go, too. I was livid. Now, I could have said, don't do this. Don't do this. I, You know what? I have a right to be at your house when stuff is there. I, I could have done so many things, but instead, what do I do? I fold. I'm instantly angry. I want to choke her out. I'm mad, and I decide as soon as I get out of this hospital, I'm going to kill her, I'm going to kill him, and I'm going to go on back to Missouri. After making a lot of phone calls, really probably without a lot of sad, I don't know. I'm sure I was super sad and super scared to make the phone calls, but never really pushing my issue of what I was going through. And when I got a lot of notes on you, you can't stay here, it was their fault. Why can't I stay with you? Because they seen my ass was sorry. I hadn't really done anything on my own for six years. I'd been on my own since 17, but had I really been on my own? I had my first apartment at 17. Okay, all right. But I lost it because we weren't paying any bills, and then the apartment complex couldn't do anything because we were underage. They gave two underage girls an apartment. Then my dad got an apartment, and I moved in his apartment with him, but 
it was just a secret place for him. I really lived there. He lived at home with his wife still. So I lived there for the year and then I met my daughter's father and I moved to Virginia. And I lived there for a while until he made me mad and then I packed up and I moved to Colorado where my brother Stacy was. And I lived with Stacy for a while until my uh, I got a friend down there and her and I stayed together and I spoke about her last week. And then I left her house or our place because we got it together because her boyfriend flipped out and pulled out a knife on her. So I had my dad come get me and I moved down to Colorado. And if you don't hear it, there's a trend in there. There's a great trend in there. It was from one place to another to another without really facing what I went through at the last place, without sitting down and having a conversation with anybody about them being different or things going different. And for the most part, nobody conversating with me about me being better because I didn't know any better. And you would have thought somewhere along the line I learned better, but I didn't. I didn't. I honest to God didn't see anything wrong with me hopping from place to place to place, even with my child. Even after I ended up giving my son up for adoption because I didn't fight for a place to stay, I could have even talked to the doctor, I'm sure, and said, listen, this is my situation. I just moved down here a week ago. My best friend begged me to come. And now she's telling me I can't stay there because her boyfriend doesn't like me. I have no money, no car, no home, no What do I do? But I didn't do that. I didn't do that. I left the hospital, went back to her house, waited on her. She never showed up. Um, the adoption agency bought me a plane ticket. I went back to Colorado. I wasn't in Texas a month. Yes, I was. I was in the hospital. I was in the hospital for over a month. But I wasn't at my friend's house a week. You guys, if you don't hear it, there's a pattern of my madness. And I never realized it until the other day. There was a pattern of my madness. Now, along there, I'm only 23 now. I'm only 23. The majority of my family is turned on me. Not turned on me, but they're shaking their heads just disappointed. Why can't she get it together? I have no education beyond high school. I have no job to go back to other than being a reservist, which is one week in a month, two weeks in the summer. I can dance my butt off. And I have now a two-year-old to take care of, who I love dearly. I had a pattern going and didn't even see because not one single person said, Sonia, you can do better. No matter how somebody feels about you implementing yourself and your thoughts in their life, and I'm not talking about your next door neighbor who you don't even say hi to most of them. I'm talking about your kids your sisters, your brothers, your cousins. When you see that they can do so much better, tell them in love. Tell them. Tell them. If they're like me, they're going to receive it. Because nobody told me anything, I did not see the errors of my 
ways. And everything I wanted needed to accommodate me and my need at the time. My whole life I was lacking. And when I say lacking, I don't mean financially. Because I already told you guys I grew up poor. I just didn't know it. You know? I mean lacking stability. I seriously lacked stability in my own life. And you guys, usually it's you're searching for something. I just didn't know I was searching for something. Because I promise you. Other than my oldest daughter's father, any time a dude said, I love you, I knew that relationship was going to end soon. I didn't deal well with people loving me. Now, I attribute it to the fact I gave up a child. And who can love a person who gives up a child? Because, and, and don't take that wrong, because a lot of kids... They are blessed to be in the adoption, uh, you know, in the eyes of the adoption with their hands in adoption because their parents are unfit, 100%. They're strung out on drugs. They're, they are abusive to the kids and the system takes them. Whatever it is, some children are fortunate. I could have been a better person and I could have raised my own child, but I wasn't and I didn't. And I'm so blessed that he had loving, beautiful parents that raised him and that he loves me to this day and that we have a relationship. So let me say from about the age of 12 and up, as I said earlier, no one spoke to me about life and people started accommodating to my wants and my needs. And I just thought that's how it was supposed to be. I was always borrowing money, always asking for money for bills, but never, you know, I don't remember paying people back. I remember Stacy giving me money all the time, my dad sending me money. I remember asking my uncles for money. They would send me money. I never asked my mom for money, but the last time I went to jail, she bailed me out. It was $1,000. It took me decades to realize I needed to give my mom back that money. Now, I want to tell you guys what, even though this just hit me uh, a couple of days ago to talk about, I'm going to tell you what I realized. I was an F up. I had moved here to Florida, and um, my youngest daughter was still in Missouri. She was staying with my brother. And my brother told me, you know, she needs her mom. She needs to come back there. And I was thinking at the time, school's almost out. Let her stay there. School's almost out. But I didn't say that to him. I just said, okay, no problem. And I hung up with him and found somebody else. There's a whole bunch that happened in between. But I found somebody else that she could stay with until school was out. Now, I'm going to fast forward um, about a month later. I was talking to the same brother, and he told me that I was unstable. And since then, that was probably in 2015 is my guess, that brother has not spoken to me. 
which was probably the hardest thing I've ever had to deal with in my life. Because you told me something negative about myself and then you cut me off. This is the same brother who's been there through all of my screw-ups, who's given me shelter more times than I can count. And when I say shelter, I'm not get, bringing anything to the table. I'm not bringing anything to the table. I'm not bringing food, I'm not helping with bills, I'm not helping with his mortgage, nothing. Just a sponge. And he never told me, you're a sponge. He never told me, hey, I need you to do better. None of that. He was just there for me. So for him first to say something at the time I deemed negative to me, call me unstable, that was a shock in itself. And guess what I wanted to do immediately after I talked to him? I wanted to be better. It took one word from one person for me to look at my life and say, oh my God, I gotta be better. Let me tell you, I was working on a book the other day and I realized while working on this book, my oldest daughter lived in 26 places with me. Wait, maybe I lived in 26. I'm gonna have to look back. But I'm gonna tell you this, she was born in Virginia. Before she was even four months old, we were living in Colorado. Before she was six months old, we were living in Missouri. Before, and probably two, three different places in between. You know, in Colorado, I lived in three places. Um, in Virginia, just one with her. In Missouri, a couple of places. Then I moved to Texas with her. Moved back to Colorado from Texas. Moved down to Fort Leonard Wood from there. Um, no, I didn't. I got my own place in Colorado for a while. Then I moved um, down to Missouri. Then I got married. And we lived in one, two, three places. So maybe she did live in 26 places. I have to count it up again. I have it written somewhere, but... I was floored when I counted how many places my poor child lived in. I could not believe because going through the motions, you don't realize how upside down you're turning your child's life. Now, she doesn't see it that way. Thank you, Jesus. She thinks I was a great mom, a great provider, and she doesn't remember me ever having to hiccup. I do. I do. I remember my lights being turned off because I didn't pay the bill, but she wouldn't know because they were back on by the time she got home. How? Because I would borrow the money from my brother or my father most of the time. So let me say I was completely unstable. And then here I am living in Florida. My daughter's living in Missouri. My brother's telling me she needs her mom. I send her to somebody else to stay. Now, it wasn't my idea, but I thought it was a great idea. Why should I take her out of school when she needs to be there? And this is, you know, at least to finish her school year before she moves here to go to school. Why would I do that? And at the time, I didn't realize my brother telling me my child needs me, I should have immediately got her a ticket and sent for her. Immediately. But I didn't. I listened to, at the time, a 15, 60-year-old child saying, but I want to finish school. I didn't say to my brother, hey, is there any way she could finish the school year 
because once somebody tells me something, I don't want to talk about it. I just want to move on. Okay, no problem. She's got to go. By the way, she's going to go stay with a friend. So, you know, can you pack up her stuff and, and give her her child support card? I mean, the craziest things. That one word, unstable. That one word set my life on a different track. Now, I'm going to tell you. This happened about seven years ago. Maybe even eight. But I'm going to go... I'm going to go with seven. It was seven or eight years ago this happened. And I told you, I lost the person I was closest to. Now, I'm not completely sure that's why I was cut off by this person. But that's my guess. Um, because I used to talk to him every single day. I mourned, mourned the loss of this brother mourned it and then I thought I'm going to show him I'm not unstable I could do better and what do I do I further my education even more now mind you at the time earlier I said I only had a high school education but I went back to school and I got an associate's now I'm going to do even better and I'm going to stick with a job because you piss me off at a job next thing you know you're getting a notice from me or I'm never coming back but I stopped doing that a little bit before I moved maybe 10 years 10 years back in 2204 I started having more careers in bioremediation so I decided I'm gonna further my education and I'm gonna stick with this job and I stuck with my job and I grew and I went up the ladder super fast like in three years four years I went from just making my $15 an hour being a disease intervention specialist to being the director the director of infectious disease that's nothing to sneeze at I mean I grew my salary by times five and I went from there to become a chief compliance officer so I'm very proud of where I grew but it was after somebody said something to me and that's my whole point it wasn't because I thought you could be better and even the person my husband uh, my, that God gave me as a husband he also, from the very beginning, was telling me, hey, you could, you'd be good at this. You'd be good at that. And I listened. And I drove on with that. But I never had that in my life until that word unstable. Until that word unstable. Because it was true. My feelings were hurt, but I wasn't mad. In my relationships, I was unstable because you could say the wrong thing to me and next thing you know, oh, we ain't talking no more. You can cry, you can beg, you can plead, I'm done. And I feel nothing about you. Nothing. I can cut somebody off just like that. I can have a friend for years. They do something wrong. I don't want to sit down and talk about it and say, Why you, why'd you do that? You know, I love you. You're my friend. Yeah, I'm just not dealing with you anymore. You guys, right now in my life, I don't talk to my father, really. I, I check on him every blue moon. Every blue moon. I lost a brother. I have an aunt who was like a mom to me. I hung on her love. I don't speak to her anymore. I haven't spoke to her 
in over a decade. I have an uncle I don't really speak to. I have a, a, a countless cousins I don't speak to them. Now most of it's because, you know, there was a rumor I was on drugs. Like I've said a billion times, never true, never true. And like I said before, if it was true, why didn't somebody say, hey, listen, I heard this about you. Instead, people just took it and ran. And the rumor started because I gave up a child for adoption. You can't be in your You can't be. You gotta be on something. So that's why the majority of the relationship stopped. But ask me why I never reached out and said, hey, I love you. You mean the world to me, auntie. Why are you not speaking to me? What did I do wrong? Instead, I just said, okay, well, you don't answer my calls anymore and you don't speak to me, so I'm done with you. Cousins, you didn't answer my calls and you didn't speak to me, I'm done with all of you. That's my way. And there's gotta be a better way. I am 52 years old now, and I'm telling you guys, there's no age to maturity and there's no age to where you decide I want to get it right. I decided last year I want to get stuff right. I had a writer's block. Some of you know I'm a writer. And I am going to put my books back out because people have asked me. I'm going to put them back out by the end of this month. Um, my first. But I had writer's block real bad. I would sit down and for like years I couldn't write. And somebody told me without even knowing that there was anything going on with my dad and I or my brother and I said, there is somebody in your life that is extremely important to you, that you love, that you're not talking to anymore. <laughs> if you don't know, it's Paula. Paula has this, God has a line directly to Paula for me. So she was like, until you confront that, you're not going to be able to write. And I still didn't confront it for another year plus. And then I sat down and wrote my brother a letter, apologizing for anything I've ever done to him, letting him know how special he was to me, how he meant more to me in my life than anybody else, anybody else, and that I loved him. But I never try to call him again or because this is the one person in my life who cut me off that I cared about and that it bothered me and that I kept trying to reach out anyway. And he would not answer any of my calls or respond to any of my texts. But what is weird is when he's seen me, I get a hug, hey sis, how you doing? And oh, you look great. And you know, acting all loving, which confused me because the first time he did that, I thought, okay, I'm tripping. I thought, you know, it's been a couple of years. Maybe he's just been that busy. And so when I got home, I sent him some pictures and and reached out and zero reply. And then next time I seen him, it was the same thing. So I realized in front of family, maybe he doesn't want to treat me badly or ignore me. So he acts lovingly to me, but I'd rather you not because it's confusing and it hurts more when it's over. So, I had a podcast called Funerals for the Living, 
And that's what I had for him. I wrote him the letter. I cried like a freaking baby. Now, mind you, when I realized he had shunned me, I cried and cried. Just, I would need my brother because he meant more to me than anybody in the world. And I couldn't have my brother. And I would just cry, cry, cry. But when I wrote that letter, it was the last time I dropped a tear. I cried, cried, cried because that was his funeral for me. And then, about six months later, oh, I, I didn't tell you guys, she told me there was somebody that I needed to, she said, even if I just release them, or, but let them know that I was acknowledging that there was an issue. And then, before she hung up, she said, wait a minute, I think there are two people. And she was right, it was my brother and my dad. So, with my dad, though, I didn't write him a letter, I called him. And as I said, he denied everything. He denied telling people I was on drugs, and I already know he did. He denied talking about me like a dog to people, but I already know he did. He denied telling my ex-husband I was on drugs, and he understood if, you know, the way he treated me, and, you know, he understood and this and that. He denied all that, but I already knew it was true. And just me releasing it, I felt better, whether he denied it or not. Whether he denied it or not, I felt better doing so. I haven't tried to write since, but there have been several times in the middle of the night, just like clockwork, I wake up like one o'clock and it's heavy on me to get up and go write. And I don't because I got to work the next day. But I told my husband, moving forward, when I feel that, urge to write, I'm going to get up no matter what time it is, and I'm going to come downstairs, and I'm going to write. But the whole point of this whole podcast, you guys, is take ownership. Everything that goes wrong in your life isn't always somebody else's fault. Especially when you keep making the same mistakes over and over and over and over and over and over. Take ownership. You live your life. You lead it. You act like you're in the starring role. Make your cast people who love you and care for you. Don't make your cast people you you can get something out of. And if you do, make sure it's love. Loyalty. Commitment as a friend or family. And do not keep processing the same things over. I'm telling you guys, from age 17, when I call myself being on my own, to age 30-ish, I didn't do anything productive. I didn't do anything productive. At all. Thought I was grown in age, yes, but I was lost. I was lost. I finally got a decent job in 2004, and I kept that job until they let a whole bunch of us go. At the same time, the company wasn't doing well. I think I was there until 2009. And that's the longest I held anything besides being a reservist. I worked as a full-time reservist for years and years. 
and years. And I left there and I got another job in bioremediation through a temp agency. And it was only supposed to be three months, but I ended up there for a couple of years until they didn't need me. I actually ended up in management, but I was still working through the temp agency. And then I went to another job in bioremediation. It's crazy. I worked in a lab. And I realized, okay, I, I am pretty intelligent. I did not apply myself all through high school. I sent for a copy of my transcripts recently because I wanted to make a point to my daughter, which I still have it. I wanted to show her what a screw-up I was. You know I graduated high school with a 1.5 GPA, and that is no joke. 1.5, 9th, 10th, 11th grade. Oh my God, you guys should see all the C's, D's, and F's. I don't know how I was never held back. That's all, I don't have, the only thing I have an A in is music. That's it. But my 12th grade year, I think I decided I wanted better. Mind you, nobody ever said anything to me about my grades. Nobody. My dad, my mom, nobody. Nobody. So my 12th grade year, I decided I wanted better. And I looked, I had straight B's in 1A. 1A and all B's. Each quarter, each semester. But it was too late by then. If it wasn't for that, I probably would have got a .5 GPA. And I wanted to show my daughter, I know I'm on you a lot about, first off, I tell her I love her constantly. I tell all my kids how much I love them, but I want her to be better. I just want her to be better. She's such a sweet kid, and I'm talking about Tweet. She's so sweet and loving and intelligent. She's been a tutor, a math tutor, and I'm talking about calculus, algebra, trig, that girl knows math like I know how to put together a good sentence. That, that girl is smart and she finally got her own place. You know, she's got a baby, she's 24. And so I constantly talk to her about life, but I always tell her I do this because I didn't have it together. Nobody spoke to me and I'm your mom. And your mom always wants to see, I want all my kids to do way better than I did. And so far they are. All three of them, a million percent better than me. And I'm super proud. Now, one time I cursed out my dad. It was the only time I ever used the curse word around anybody in my family. I treat my brothers like parents. I don't curse around them. I don't curse around my parents. But he said something negative about my daughter to other people, and I heard about it. And it was one thing to talk about me and tell people I'm on drugs and how sorry I am. But now you're talking about my daughter and I'm not having that. Nobody's gonna put down my kids and think it's gonna be okay. I called him and went off and didn't speak to him again for a year. And when I did, I apologized for the choice words I used. But my kids mean everything to me. My kids and my husband. So you guys, you know, don't keep, and I'm sure some of you are probably scratching your head. I don't know if this podcast made sense or not. I see I've been talking for over 40 minutes. Oh my gosh. But do not.
keep bumping your head doing the same thing. It's, it's called insanity, right? When you keep doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. Stop it. If you see yourself going down the wrong trail and you, you're walking aimlessly and you're just doing whatever, whenever, wherever, stop it. And you see your kids going down the wrong road, don't talk about them. Be there for them. I don't care how old they are. I don't care if they're 40. I don't care if your your son's 50 and, and now he on drugs. Get him some help. Don't call everybody in your family talking about your 50-year-old son on drugs and how stupid he is. Don't do that. It doesn't fix the situation. It makes it worse. It makes it worse. You want to be kind and be loving and concerning for people that you claim to care about. You do make it worse when all you do is talk about them or yell at them or curse at them or call them names. That doesn't fix anything, I promise you. Now, I have not had that either, not to my face. But one of the worst things that probably could have happened to me in my life was the accusation of being on drugs because I lost a lot of people who believe that. And it really means they didn't think much about me in the first place. And that hurt for a long time. Nobody wants to be hurt, you guys. Know that the words that come out of your mouth about somebody else can have a lifelong effect on them. So choose your words carefully. And if you don't like somebody, everybody in the world doesn't need to know. There are plenty of people I don't care for and nobody knows it but them. Nobody. And I want to say this last thing and I'm going to go. I don't really remember my youth. I don't. As far as my friends go. I know I wasn't unpopular. You know, I don't remember being uh, mistreated or people picking on me or anything like that. But I also wasn't the person you picked as most popular. Um, I pretty much stuck to myself, maybe. But I don't know what kind of friend I was. So if I wasn't a good friend, I apologize if you're listening to this podcast. If I said negative things, maybe that's why I'm so against it now. Or maybe because people said negative things about me as a kid too. I don't know. I don't know. But any friendships I had that I didn't do right by the person, I apologize. I know by age 17, 18... I never liked gossip about other people, if that makes sense. Now, if, I'm, if it has something to do with me, that's different. But just to sit and talk about how bad somebody else is doing, I've never been into that. Um, but I don't know if I was as a kid. All right, you guys. Just, I don't know. Don't, don't blame everybody for all your downfalls. And when you see you have downfalls... Do the best you can to fix them and turn it around into positivity. And then remember that downfall so that you can be a help to somebody else along the way. Everybody have a beautiful day. My website, something's still wrong with it. Um, GoDaddy hasn't fixed it. So if you want to reach out to me, it's sonia.artis at ymail.com. That's S-O-N-Y-A dot A-R-T as in Tango I-S at ymail.com. You could also find me on Facebook and Instagram. Um, 
Have a beautiful day.